Hello, welcome to another session of The Perfect Puzzle. My name is Michael Cox, and we're going to jump into our study in just a minute. Today's study is You Gave Me No Water. I'm taking it from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 to 47. We have a story here of Simon the leper. I'll give you a chance to locate your Bible and then uh, find your way to that passage. I'm going to read the whole passage out in case you don't have it or don't have one available. But first, we'd like to have a word of prayer and uh, go to the Lord in before we jump into this study. Father, I thank you that this study can be made in this manner, that uh, I ask your blessings on our listeners. I ask your Holy Spirit to fill our presence as we go through this uh, passage of study today, Lord, and what you have to say to your people. Lord, I just ask you to especially uh, enable me to teach your word today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 7, beginning verse 36. Uh, I'm using the keyword study Bible, so if my words are a little different than what your Bible says, uh, that's why. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when one of the Pharisees, now when, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spoke within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of this woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto, uh, unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he, he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. She, You gave me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. You know, I might suggest to you that this was the most exciting day in the life of this man, you know, Simon the Pharisee. He had managed to get the most amazing man in history into his home. You know, but as he's planning this, his first problem is, go, is going, you know, is getting the pro proper people to attend so they could all meet this man, too. You know, he's, he's got the VIPs there. That's the thing you do. You know, it's the thing the Bible says you shouldn't do, but let's admit it ourselves. We do do it. We're taught in the Bible that you should have a banquet where no one who attends 
can invite you back. We don't do it that way. So we had a problem getting the right people. You know, he's got the local millionaire and the mayor and the magistrate, the people of proper society. You know, I think he he probably woke up at night and said, you know, I'm going to cross that man out and I'm going to bring this guy in. And eventually he had the right people. Now, secondly, you you believe, uh, I think he probably had the right food. I mean, if you're going to invite the prestigious people, the President of the United States, you know, you'd probably prepare something pretty special. You wouldn't have hamburgers, hot dogs, potato chips. Next, I think, you know, he probably decided on which flowers he wanted to have. You know, get the right kind of aesthetic atmosphere. Everything is pretty. He's got the garden, the table. He's worked out every detail. He's probably saying to himself, this is going to be the day that I shall never, never, never want to forget. Before it's over, it's going to become a day that he never, never, never wanted to remember, but that's later in our study. He said, this is going to be the day of my exaltation. It became the day of his humiliation. He said, people are going to leave this banquet talking about my liberality. Now, he left it talking about his stupidity. He was so intent, he's so sure everything is right. You know, it became one of those days where everything goes beautifully wrong. I can imagine he came downstairs, he's going to make the proper entrance. And, of course, this has to be after all the invited guests have arrived and are waiting by the front door. But before that, you know, in his planning, he would have met with all the servants there and said, now, let me know when our guest of honor comes. And he strolls over, and he, like they still do in the Middle East, you know, he kisses each each guest on, on their cheeks and then leads them to the basins where they can get their feet washed and their hands ceremonially clean. You know, the man got excited about the business. Anybody who was everybody's at this banquet. Everything's in the right place. And I think, you know, in, in the middle of this greeting of all these prestigious people of, of, this, of the town, one of the servants signals says, Master, you know that certain woman in town? Oh, don't mention that abominable woman. If she comes near here, just, you know, throw her out. Well, Master, I'm sorry, but... She's where? Well, she's here. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, how did he get in? You know, Jesus has an awful habit of coming in at the back door. That's how he came in the world. He had a suspicion of illegitimacy on him. Now, Scripture says he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. I wish some ministers would remember that. We are to be the love slaves of Jesus Christ. We're not here to carry prestige, power, personality, or to show off. We're the least of all men. We're servants. And I can see Jesus coming in the back door. You know, at the back door, he's not concerned about the welcome. And Simon comes, you know, he comes and he says, I miss it. He's not a prophet. If he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is. She is a sinner. So then Jesus tells him a story. It's a beautiful story. A certain man had two creditors. One of them owed him $500, the other $50 million. And he forgave them both. Which one's going to love him the most? And Simon says, the man with the biggest debt. And Jesus said, well, that's right. She loves much. She has forgiven much. 
So I can imagine that woman trembling outside of the door and saying, before she came out, I'm not invited. But it's an amazing thing. We don't know anyone who was invited to this banquet except the woman that wasn't invited. You know, it's going to be like that in the, at, on the great day. The first are going to be last. Some of the greatest preachers you know will be right at the end of the line, and some little widow that gave her life to prayer is going to be right there at the front. You see, God's values are not our values. He's not going to give me a reward because I taught so many podcast lessons. He's not going to give singers one because they sold so many records. You know, we put the accent where God never puts it. We put an accent on working for Jesus, and there's no such thing. That's not the first thing that God requires. Does Scripture say the Father seeks such to work for him? No, that's not what it says. John 4.23 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, I believe God's getting less worship today than he's ever gotten, despite the crowds the churches are, are, are getting. We want to work ourselves to death. We want to run here, run here, come home exhausted. You know, we got to go here, we got to go there, and everybody's waiting for us. This little woman stood outside the door with a trembling heart. You probably could have seen it pounding on her dress. You know, she's saying to herself, I shouldn't go in, but she said, I am going in. And this woman is only found at the feet of Jesus in Scripture. Each time she's seen in the New Testament, she is there at his feet. Can I ask you how long it's been since you were at his feet? She's there to learn. You know, when her sister was making a big banquet, Jesus says that Mary had chosen the better part. You know, a lot of times you, you may say, it's not my personality. That's, that's not what he says. You know, you know, people say, I've got a Mary personality or I'm a Martha. That's not what Scripture says. It says, she chose. And you have to choose to be spiritual. You have to choose the calendar of your life. You have to choose to put aside people that he, so that God can get what he wants out of your life. Not in eternity, but now. And this woman is found at his feet to learn. She's found in his feet at grief when her brother dies. She is found at his feet when she gives the best that she has, her costly ointment. You know, this precious ointment is given to Jesus three times. First time at his birth when he couldn't recognize it. The second time was given to him by this woman. And she had more intuition than even his, his, his disciples. Because she gives him this anointing at his feet. It's just six days before he hung on the cross. The third gift was when he died and laid it and was laid in the tomb. You see, details are very important in Scripture. It says this box of spikenard was very precious, though it only weighed a pound. Now, the man who came, came to Jesus' burial with his gift, he brought a hundred pounds of spikenard. The box is worth 300 pence. 
which means that's about 15 years of savings to get it. And her brother was Lazarus. Now think about this. She, didn't lo she did not love her brother enough to embalm him with it when he died. She's probably saving it for her own funeral. But this woman brings her gift. It's only a pound, but it's very precious. The man brought a hundred pounds, but that's when Jesus was dead. You know, there's, a smart man said, you need to do your giving when you're living, then you know where it's going. But if you leave $10 million to Jesus Christ or to his kingdom when you die, he's not going to give you 10 cents for it at judgment seat. Look, how do I know? Well, my Bible says the Lord loveth. The, all right, let's say you've got a casket here with a million. I'm sorry, a casket here with a millionaire. He's left $10 million to the church when, she, when he died. Before I put the lid down, I want you to come up here and have a look. Does he look too cheerful? He should. He gave $10 million to the church. Now, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. You see, this man in this casket, he didn't give the 10 million. Death put a pistol to his head and killed him. You know, he'd still have the 10 million if he were still alive. He gave it when he had no more use for it. The woman brings her precious gift of ointment. Now, notice what she did. According to custom, she should have used her gift to anoint Jesus' head and then washed his feet, kissed his cheeks. But those feet, she's going to see them in a few days with nails driven through them. And she doesn't anoint his head, she anoints his feet. She doesn't stand in front of him, she's behind him. She's not going to wash those feet with water. She washes them with her tears. And dry those feet with a towel? Not going to do that. She takes her, her hair down. She takes his feet and she dries those feet with the hair of her head. Now, think of those feet upon that dusty, upon those dusty roads. They probably sometimes had thorns in them, got gravel between the toes. That would have been awfully un uncomfortable. And remember, these people didn't wear, they wore sandals. And a woman came one day and said, I won't wash his feet with water. I'll wash him with my tears if I ever get the chance. I won't dry his feet with a towel. I'm going to take the hair of my head, which according to Paul is the crowning glory of a woman, and she dried his feet with the hair of her head. She should have anointed his head, but she anointed his feet. She should have kissed his cheek, but she kissed his feet. She says, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. I can only bow in lowliness and humility. But you've got to get the point. She not only washed his feet with tears, she took the ointment and then she put it on his head. And then she took the hair of her head and she wiped the feet where she'd put her tears in her ointment. So obviously, the fragrance that she poured out on him came back on her. You know, we think if we read a lot of books about the deeper life, as good as they are, they're, they're going to make us a saint. But I got news for you. Even reading the Bible won't make you a saint if you don't get it into your bloodstream. You know, you could line an altar 
you know, you've seen, I'm sure you 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 you've seen hundreds. If you've ever seen a uh, Billy Graham program, or if you've ever went there in, in person, but at the end of the day, Jesus could 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 say, "You gave me no kiss." Because you can get too busy serving him that you forget to worship him. You know, the priority that God wants in our life is that we worship him in spirit. You can be a cantankerous, bitter, rough, edgy, stiff, resentful, almost cruel kind of Christian. Work yourself to death and say, I guess I've, you know, worked harder than anybody around here. And you'll miss the bus. God seeks people to worship him. You know, Charles Wesley said in one of his hymns, let me kiss your bleeding feet and bathe and wash them with my tears. You know, when's the last time you seized him by the feet and said, Master, I can't go another inch without meeting you this morning. When you come before God Almighty in prayer and adoration, he doesn't see how much money you you, you, how much money you, you, you've got in your bank account or if you've got a ring on your finger worth $10,000 or if your hair's done up right, he doesn't look at you externally. The Bible makes it clear. God looks not on the outward appearance but on the heart. But if you go to most churches today, that's pretty much reversed. You know, they believe God looks on the outside and not on the heart. Some of us are beautifully dressed. We got rags on the inside. We got expensive cars and jewelry. We're poverty stricken within for the simple reason we never developed the wonderful area of worshiping. Worshiping. Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth and in the very beauty of His holiness. You know, if you leave Mass or church, whatever your religious persuasion is, Catholic, Protestant, or Orthodox, if, 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 if you walk out saying, well, the choir was really good today, or just the singers, or the preacher, or the priest, you missed it, you missed it entirely. If that's what you remember, then, you're fa- then we're failure number one. You know, you should remember something God communicated to you. You shouldn't remember the chalice, whether it's made of gold or clay. You should remember what came out of that chalice. You know, it's a very beautiful story. I wish I had time to develop it, but I like to see this poor man, Simon. He's standing there, and Jesus is telling him, you missed it. Did you ever try to get God to understand things your way? You know, I have to confess that that I have. I can see this man saying, well, Lord, you don't understand what it cost me to lay this banquet. Well, Lord, I had to raise a loan and, you know, to get this. I rented those precious things, those vessels. They're all gold. There's foods out of season. season and you know what it really cost? And the Lord says, I'm not wanting that. But let me suggest to you that the story in Matthew 26 is the same same story. But there's one little word injected over in Matthew that is not here in Luke. It's a very illuminating word. And it 
turns the story completely around. In Matthew, it says he went into the house of Simon the leper. Let me ask you, how can a leper be in the house? There's only one way he could be there. That's as if he got healed of his leprosy. Who would have healed him? Jesus. No one in history, no one in the history of the nation of Israel ever got healed from leprosy until Jesus came along. And the man that Jesus healed forgot to worship him. You take time to get ready for church, make sure you get down and worship him in the morning. Because the greatest thing you could do is not bring your tithe, your offering, and look pretty and smell nice. Did you get along with Jesus this morning? Did you talk to God, the Father? Not in a crowd of people, but did you say, alone, Jesus, I love you, I know you are mine. You know, it's a little bit late if you're going to say that, you know, if you're going to come to me and say, I'll say that one, death lies cold. Now, Jesus, if, if ever I loved you, it's now. Did you do it this morning? He came to the house of Simon the leper, and the leper he healed forgot to kiss him. You need to understand, there came a day in this man's life when he had to go to the temple and be and he was pronounced a leper. He couldn't kiss his wife goodbye. He couldn't hug his children. And he went out the gate of the city, and they excommunicated him from all his privileges socially. And he had to stand on the road and bang a little tin can to warn people and cry out, leper, leper, if anyone came near him. And one day, Jesus passed by him, and Jesus touched him and made him whole. He went back to the gate of the city, and they said, You can't come in here, Simon. And he said, Yes, I can, because I've been healed. How? Jesus did it. And he had to go to the temple, where the priest would say, You can't come in here. You'll defile the sanctuary. And he said, Well, I'm as pure and clean as you are. Look at my flesh. He had to be pronounced clean by the priest. The priest probably asked him, Who did, How did this happen? And he says, Jesus did it. When he went home, he went through the same routine. Jesus did it. And this man who got that cleansing forgot to kiss Jesus. And if you think I'm comparing you to this man, if you think you can get away with saying I was never a drug addict or a prostitute, I was never an outcast, you got to wait a minute. Because are you saying Jesus didn't lift you up out of a out of a pit well you were going to a horrible pit we have the idea that just doing this or doing that will make us spiritual that's not what's happening I have news for you a lot of it makes us happy but a lot of it is, isn't even spiritual it's soulish it touches the emotions it stirs us up 
but there's nothing really exciting unless you get to know the wonder of pure divine holy love and get down on your face and say, Lord, I can't go anywhere this morning. I'm overwhelmed with your glory, your majesty, and your beauty. God is seeking that we worship him, worship him in spirit, worship him in truth, worship him in the very beauty of his holiness. You see, and you know at the end of the day, however much I I teach, however many podcasts I put out there, or however much you sing, however much you serve the Lord, the Lord is keeping a record. And I try to do this. I try to say at the end of the day, Lord, it's not what an example I made today. It's not whether I taught a lesson. It's not whether I recorded a podcast or two or three or even one person I visited who might have been sick, but Lord, did I kiss you today? Or Lord, did you look down and say, Son, you were very busy. You are very active. You made some new friends. People said you taught well. But listen, you gave me no water. You gave me no oil. You gave me no kiss. Is that what Jesus is saying to you? Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is the perfect puzzle.